Well, if you guys were with us last week, you had the joy and pleasure of listening to Brandon preach on John 9. And within John 9, we witness kind of this cool story that takes place where there's a man who had been blind all of his life, and he meets Jesus, and suddenly he can see. Jesus works a miracle, spits in the dirt, rubs the the mud that he makes from the dirt on this man's eyes. The man goes to the pool, washes it, he can see. A physical transformation happens through Jesus, the, the good shepherd. But at the same time, as this man has this experience happening before him in his life, having lived all of his life, not being able to see at all, and now suddenly can see, he's in a spot where he wants to share that story. The good shepherd has just healed him. Not just physically, but spiritually. In verse 38 of chapter 9, he says, I believe. And he responded with worship. And so this man experiences physical and spiritual transformation. And as he's proclaiming how this work had been done in the synagogue to those who were listening, to the religious leaders, to everybody else in, in that setting, the religious leaders kick him out of the temple. He's sharing, this is what God has just done in my life. And they say, actually, that story's not going to be told here. And he was cast out. And so in this story in John 9, we see the religious leaders living as bad shepherds over the household of God. And we can see this contrast between Jesus, the good shepherd, and the religious leaders, bad shepherds over Israel. And this morning we're going to be in John 10 and Jesus is going to put to word what he had just done in the passage before. And so he's done the work, he's healed the man, the man is in relationship with God through Christ. And then now today as we're in John 10, Jesus is going to be saying why he's the good shepherd. He's going to be clarifying some things so that the the bad shepherds of Israel can understand what's going on. And so this morning, that's the direction that we're heading, and the the truth is we all need to have a shepherd in life. Here at Anthem, we believe that, that Jesus is to be our chief shepherd, the shepherd of all shepherds, overseeing our lives, overseeing the church, overseeing the individuals within it. And we're to submit to him as the good shepherd and Lord of our life. At the same time, we're to have other shepherds, under shepherds, pastoral leaders, disciples, mentors, encouragers, people that are walking in the trenches of life with us to keep us going back to the Lord. And we have this, this call to not just be shepherded by Christ, but by others around us. And we need to be shepherded because we're lost and wandering sheep. Without a guide, we're going the wrong direction, Right? And so I can remember, it's almost 10 years back now, when there was an older man who, who sat me down and he had noticed some trends in my life that I was very blind to. And he said, Nick, I think you need to stop dating the church. And what he meant by that was, he had listened to my story of kind of what I was doing in life. I had traveled a lot. And he said, you're, you're going to four or five different college ministries right now. You're going to two different churches. You're soaking up the worship at one place, the preaching at another the, the fun community at another, maybe the, the games and the fun things that they did at another community. You're soaking all of that up, but are you committing to one body and are you giving back your time, your talent, your treasure, your energy? Are you getting to know people in the body? Are you being led by people who want to lead you in that flock? And I absolutely needed to hear that. I needed to be shepherded in life because I was living with some blind spots. And by the grace of God, he he was a helpful guide in that part of my journey. Three or four years ago, I was dating my now wife, Peyton. And we were in a spot in our relationship where we were button heads. She's ice, I'm fire. Or I'm fire, she's ice, I don't know which. But there's some conflict going on in our relationship, right? And so we dated, and, and then we didn't date. And then we dated again, and we were in a tough spot. And it's like, man, we both really want to date and marry but we're so different, and we have all this conflict. What do we do about it? And I had an older man say, I think you're blaming your girlfriend for everything in the relationship, and I wonder if these other relationships that you've been in in the past 
have maybe had an impact on you and you have some insecurities and some weaknesses and some bad habits and tendencies that are actually creating far more conflict than you realize because you have these unrealistic expectations. So then we started to go to dating counseling, which not many people do, but I encourage you if you're wanting to marry that individual and you're dating and there's conflict, why not? Try it out. Worked for us. Point being though, God did a work in our life people shepherding us, leading us, encouraging us, giving us some direction. And it's led to health. When we listen to God and healthy people that the the Lord has put in front of us to encourage us, we get to grow. And so this morning, I want you to think about, man, have I been shepherded in life before? Do I have Jesus as my chief shepherd who I'm submitting to on a daily basis? Am I surrendered to him, living life for him? And alongside with that, do you have under shepherds or people beneath Christ, but who are sending you and encouraging you and challenging you towards him. Think of those people. Have they been pushing you in a helpful direction, or are you in a place where it's like, man, when you said leadership, or or when you said bad shepherd, I thought of 10 examples, and I've been hurt by a church leader, or I've been misguided by someone who said they're going to healthily lead me, and they said they were going to lead me towards the right pasture, the good pasture, but they actually led me astray. And because of that, I typically try to, to go alone because, you know, they messed up and they were representing God as good leaders. And if they're good leaders and that's what God's appointing, then, well, I'm just going to give up on that. And maybe that's your story this morning. And this morning, the, the fun thing that we're going to do, though, is see how Jesus is the good shepherd, even if we've had a bad shepherd. There's people around us who haven't led us to a place of life, the abundant life in in Christ. Maybe they've given us just a, a terrible picture of who God is. We get to look into John 10 today and see that we have Jesus as this compassionate, loving leader who wants to guide us so that we're, we're not those sheep that are getting lost and getting stuck in, in ruts. But no, we can actually have a guide for us. So this morning, that's the direction that we're going up on the screen. There will be the outline uh, for this morning. First, we're going to look at the problem. The world is full of bad shepherds. Secondly, we'll look at the pearl. Jesus is the good shepherd. That's the news that we really need to hear. And then the promise that Jesus is the door to God's fold and the good pasture. And so that's the direction that we're heading. And Lord willing, this passage, no matter what our, our past has been, when it comes to having a shepherd in our life or no shepherd at all, Lord willing, this passage is gonna give us reason to believe that God is good and therefore also a good shepherd worth following. And so I'm gonna pray for us and we'll begin uh, to work through the passage with one another. So Lord, we, we thank you. We, we gather here every week to worship you, to learn more about you through your word. And God, I pray that you just give us a little bit of space right now to to be able to focus in on your word and understand a truth that we can apply to our life, God. Lord, we thank you for just the the fact that we can gather and be directed and, and guided through your word, through the power of your spirit, God. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we need to be shepherded in life. We can we can see that, we can live life for a while. And feel that and know that. And it's like, man, we got to have a guide. And so we've acknowledged that. But now we're going to look at Ezekiel 34. We're going to go back to the Old Testament and look at how our world is full of bad shepherds. Because what's going on here in, in the temple scene, Jesus has just healed this guy. And now he's talking to the religious leaders. He's using this language and analogy of shepherd and sheep. And that's because in part, in that part of the world, there was a lot of that, right? Shepherding and sheep. That was part of their livelihood. But it's also an analogy that these listeners would have been very familiar with because this was a matter that the Lord had already spoken on to these religious leaders centuries before. And so we're going to use kind of their context in that time in the Old Testament to understand how this bad leadership problem, this bad shepherding problem, wasn't just an isolated experience with this blind man, but had been a trend among the, even the people of God since that entity really began. 
And so let's read uh, Ezekiel 34, 1 to 6. And this is Ezekiel speaking here, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. The world is full of bad shepherds, and in this passage, we can see that these shepherds were bad because they were prioritizing themselves over the flock. It says in the second part of verse 2, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. The shepherds of Israel had been set aside by the Lord to care for the flock. That's a shepherd's role, right? They're to take care of those sheep which are in front of them. Great role, you know, have the staff lead the sheep. And these priests had been ordained by God to help offer up sacrifices on behalf of people's sin, on behalf of the people's invitation to worship God. And so they were to be offering these sacrifices. Priests were ordained to be teaching the law. And they were also ordained to be helping them. When they were physically ailing, they were to go to the priest and, and, and find and understand direction of, what do I do? I'm not doing well, and I need help. That was their role. But rather than doing that, these shepherds were feeding themselves. They had the resources, the role, the position to help the flock, but they were keeping it for themselves. Kind of reminds me of in, in the sports setting. Sometimes there's this, this really great player on a team who just really wants to get the trophy and he just has the players around them so that he can get what he wants. But he's, he's not doing it for the team. He doesn't really care about the others. He doesn't care about the fans. He just wants the self-glory so that he can feed himself with that. In a similar way, these shepherds had this routine of gathering uh, the flock in front of them having the food, the provision to, to care for these things. And then they didn't. And, and it wasn't just the priests. There were prophets who, who were not fulfilling their role in a godly sort of way. There's kings, there's judges. And over and over, we see this trend in the Old Testament, into the New Testament, into our day now, of bad shepherds that are just feeding themselves, even in the workplace. If you've had a boss like that before, you can feel it when you were just there to help him earn money. There's a difference between the boss who's entering in your life, who cares about you, who looks out for you, and the guy who just wants something from you to feed himself. And that's what was going on in the synagogue, in the temple at this time. The shepherds of Israel set aside to care for the children of God were caring for themselves. And they used their position to satisfy their own belly. So bad shepherds prioritize themselves. In verses 2 to 4, second part of verse 2, into the beginning of 4, it says, Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the, feet, you eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. Bad shepherds not only prioritize themselves, but we can see in this text here that they also neglect caring for the needs of their sheep. So they're, so they're taking the resources for themselves, but it's not just that. They're, they're also neglecting the needs that they have. And so just, just picture an emergency room setting, 
right? If somebody comes in and something crazy happens, maybe it's an accident, I don't know, and they show up in that emergency room and they're there and they're present and they're like, all right, like got the nurses around me, got the doctors around me, I'm here. They're gonna help me out. Great feeling if you have that, right? Scary feeling if you don't. But you're in that emergency room, you're ready to get cared for, the doctor's there, sees the need, and then the doctor's like, ah, I see that. And that's it. You'd never go to that hospital again. You'd write a Google review and say, this hospital's terrible. That doctor's terrible. You need to watch out. This guy's not a good shepherd. He's not a good leader. You're going to show up there with your problem. He's going to see it. He's not going to do anything about it. That's what was going on here. Life is an emergency room setting. We're, We're given life. God gifts us with life. But there are things that happen that are hard. And we need to be guided and we, we show up to the very people who are supposed to be guiding us towards the Lord and leading us to a place of life and abundance and joy and good pasture. The best sheep life we could ever have. That's their role and they're not doing it. It has an impression. So bad shepherds, they neglect caring for the needs of their sheep. And we've probably been in workplaces or... Maybe church is where we've sensed that and felt that before. And so it wasn't an isolated problem for the, the blind man in, in John 9 and 10. It wasn't an isolated problem as Ezekiel's speaking to this religious group at this time. It's an ongoing thing. Bad shepherds also break people and they let them go astray. In the second part of verse 4 through verse 6, We can see that clearly. Verse 4b says, The injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. As a result, what happens? Verse 5, So they were scattered because there was no true shepherd. They they had shepherd in name, but they weren't living that out. There, There was no shepherd, and they became food for all of the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. The trend of the environment that was created by the religious leaders was an environment that led not to people gathering over and over and and people experiencing abundant life and good pasture with one another, but over and over in Israel's history, the people are scattering. In part, they're, they're making choices out of their own sin, in part because the examples in front of them, the religious leaders, are not setting the pace to show the compassionate heart of God. A shepherd cares for the flock in front of them, And these religious leaders were not doing that. They were neglecting the needs in front of them. And they were also ruling with this harshness. In verse 4, right, it says, With force and harshness you ruled them. Rather than having the heart of God, they had an iron fist. Because they wanted what they wanted out of their role. Didn't matter what, what God had said, hey, do this, don't do that. They had said, I'm in this position And I'm going to take advantage of it. And because of that, the people under their watch scattered. When there's unhealthy leadership, there's a scattering that takes place. And and it leads to to people wandering. And I think we've seen that before, haven't we? By title or by name, they're, they're in this seated place of leadership. And they're leading the household of God out of a heart of wickedness. And again, we've seen that example all throughout history. I think of Europe, for example. When we think about Europe and where they're at in seeking the Lord right now, there's, there's not many people, if you look at statistics, there's not many people in Europe who are passionately seeking after God. And that used to be a place where many people did that, right? The first missionaries going there, out of the Middle East, going into Europe, sharing the good news of Christ. Change is happening, transformation is coming Then there's practices that are put in place by the church that are heretical. There's unbiblical things going on. There's the headbutting between the Protestants and the Catholic church. 
And both of those parties at times were doing things that did not reveal the shepherd heart of God. But there was boldness. Yeah, but did it have this match of gentleness and humility and kindness and love? And so because of that iron fist, selfish tendency in the the leadership of the different church bodies all across Europe, century after century, that's going to leave an impact, right? That's how time and history works. People during one culture live among one another. They reproduce, have offspring. There's children. Those children grow up around those individuals and on and on and on. That's what history is. And so if their history had developed this trend of terrible leadership, terrible examples of what a godly shepherd we have in Jesus, it makes sense centuries later why they're so lost. And now we're sending missionaries there again. And so we've seen it there and we've seen it in our day. We've seen it around us. Our church has a portion of its history where there was leadership dynamics that weren't helpful. And so what do we do with that? And maybe you've been on the, the receiving end of that. Where does that leave us as the sheep? It leaves us feeling lost and abandoned and hopeless. When religious leaders aren't setting the pace, people who are of God aren't setting the pace, they're giving us an example that makes us not want to run to the Lord as our chief shepherd, let alone to ever trust an under-shepherd again. And with that, it's like, well, I might just attend less. And with that, then comes sinful tendencies to just do what we want to do. And we get isolated and separated from community, and then we're the, not the 99 in the fold, we're the lost sheep, like, where are you at? Like, I'm out here struggling. Like, you hear me bleating or whatever sheep do? Like, I'm here and I need help. And for a while, we might have that. But then after a while, we get used to it. And then we just have calloused hearts. And it's like, God, no. Religious leaders, no. Church, no. And we're turned off to it. And we're left helpless, frightened, worthless, exposed, and abandoned. I was on Facebook for like 30 seconds today, and there was somebody who used to go to our church but moved away, and she had put a post about this kid in Arkansas, a little two-year-old, who went missing just yesterday. He was with his two dogs, and then suddenly they didn't know where he went. And so, of course, everybody's like telling friends, hey, we need to go find this boy. Like, two-year-old, they don't do well on their own. Why? They need to have a shepherd. And this little boy, can you imagine being in his shoes yesterday? Trying to figure out, like, where do I go? How how do I live? Like, I'm in the trees. I'm in the forest. I don't know how to use a map, even if I had one. By the grace of God, hunters found him. But can you imagine being in those shoes of that little boy, trying to figure out where do I go, crying, emotion, just like through the roof? And that's what happens to us when we get abandoned and lost. Life feels fuzzy, confusing, we don't know how to live it, and we don't trust the leaders because they hurt us, or we don't trust God because it seems that he might not be the good shepherd. So if you've been there, if you've been on the receiving end of a bad shepherd, or you've been living life and and you're like, I've never really had a shepherd, I am the shepherd and the sheep. I do it all. And if that's been you, I I think the, the cool thing that we get to see this morning in John 10 is we go from Old Testament to New, is that in Jesus there is a good shepherd who even if we have been hurt or even if we have been lost, we can enjoy community with God through him and then be part of this good pasture that he promises for us as his sheep. And so the world is full of bad shepherds, but the pearl, the truth, the joy is that Jesus is the good shepherd. And so let's move over to John 10 with one another. And we're going to see four aspects of Jesus that reveal him to be the good shepherd. And so we'll read verses 1 to 5 and see how Jesus offers us healthy leadership. In verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, Truly, truly, this is Jesus speaking to the religious leaders and everybody else who's listening. 
He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus offers us healthy leadership in part because he's been appointed by the Father to play this role as the shepherd of the sheep. In verse 3 it says, To him, to Jesus, the gatekeeper, God the Father opens. He gives Jesus the role to be the door and to be the shepherd of the sheep. And, and when I was reading through this the first time, I was like, I thought that I was excited about this passage, but then I got confused by this passage because how on earth is Jesus the door and the good shepherd? What does this mean? Is he the door? Like, do I preach a sermon about him being the door or about being the shepherd? And it's yes, both. At the time, the way they did sheep, I guess, in, in the Middle East, maybe they still do it this way now. I don't know. But you got your sheep going out during the day. They're enjoying the fields, the pasture. Things are good. During the daylight, there's less threat. Darkness oftentimes leads to a threat, right? And so in the evening, sheep come back to a fold, which just think a surrounding. If there's a lot of sheep, maybe it's 500 by 500 feet. Nice little square. That's where they go in the evening. If there's less sheep, a smaller fold. Rock walls kind of enclosing it, keeping the enemies out, the wolves out. And what does the shepherd do in the evening? There's one opening to the fold, and the shepherd lays down across that opening. What is he, the shepherd and the door? Keeping watch, making sure these sheep aren't taken, and watching and leading them during the day as they go out. So Jesus has been appointed by the Father to be the shepherd of the sheep, and an affirming response that we can see here is that, verse 3, it says, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls them by name, and he leads them out. What happens when Jesus begins his ministry? He finds people, speaks to them by name, asks them to follow him, and they know his voice, and they follow. Right? That's, that's the 12 disciples. In Matthew uh, chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, that's Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus has been appointed by the Father to be the door, to be the shepherd of the sheep. And we can see this affirming response that takes place where he goes out and he begins to call people and those people begin to follow him, even to the point of their death. Why? Because he's a good shepherd with healthy leadership that they want to follow. Jesus also leads by going before us. In verse 4 of chapter 10, it says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. All of Jesus' ministry, he's going first. He's setting the pace. He's helping the flock, the 12 disciples, those other people who would later on follow him. He's helping them see what does God in flesh look like? What does it look like to be in a unified relationship with God? What does it look like to not just speak about godliness, but live it out? Jesus is the pace setter. He goes before the sheep to show them how it's done. In word and in deed. And as a result, the sheep follow. In Hebrews 6, we read, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. That's stability right there. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Jesus goes before his disciples. 
to prepare them for the work that they were to do and to show them this is the compassionate shepherd heart of God. And so we can see that Jesus offers healthy leadership. He also offers abundant food in verses 7 to 10. It says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In verse 9, we see that Jesus brings his flock to good pasture. He doesn't just look over them, doesn't just lead them. He also takes them to a fuller life. He feeds them with lasting food. He provides daily sustenance. All throughout his ministry, we see this taking place with the 12 disciples where he's, he's doing these things and they're kind of watching and, and he's like, yeah, I just did that thing and here's what happened there. He's feeding them with understanding, with truth, so that their faith might be able to be grounded in him. And so Jesus is, is leading, but he's also feeding, hey, this is what it looks like, and I'm gonna teach you so that you can have nourishment to grow. Grow roots down deep and grow depth and fruit as you live your life. And in doing that life, it leads to what verse 10 says, life and life abundantly. That word there in Greek means beyond, superior. And so as we follow after the good shepherd, we're led and we're also heading towards good pasture. I think John 15 is a good example of how that happens, right? And so in John 15, that's where we have Jesus, the vine, and we are the branches, and we, the branches, then have fruit, and with that, the, the fruit doesn't exist without the branch, but the branch doesn't exist without the beginning of the vine. And so Jesus is the taproot, the source that feeds everything above ground. And so in Christ, he leads us, but he also feeds us so that we might have fruit being produced, not just in our own life, but around us. And so Jesus has a deep and wide leadership. He offers us eternal protection. In verses 11 to 13, we see that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus here is clarifying, I'm the good shepherd. Verse 11, he's very clearly saying, I am the shepherd. I'm not just a shepherd. I am the shepherd. And with that, you have a long-term promise. I'm not some substitute teacher who's just flying for, you know, one day. You've had substitute teachers when you're growing up in school, right? And there's a difference between that long-term teacher and how much they care about you and oftentimes when that sub's in there, it's, well, it's kind of, I was a teacher. And so that, it's a tough setting to walk into as a substitute. Kids are ready to give you a hard time. And you're feeling nervous because it's like, what if there's a kid with a huge personality and I don't know how to like work with that? At least that was me. I'm pretty laid back. And anytime there was a kid who like just spoke with authority, I was scared. I probably need to keep growing in that. But point being, Jesus is this good shepherd that we have that offers us an eternal protection. He's not just in our life for a day to lead us some, feed us some, then be done. No, he's gonna offer us protection. And when those wolves come, when they're surrounding the fold, he's at the front of that door. He's saying, I'm here. And when, when we're out in good pasture, he's reminding us, this is where you need to be. This is how you can handle that. He's protecting us. When the wolves show up, he's not a hired hand who's gonna flee. He's gonna be there for the long haul. It reminds me of Matthew 28, which the Great Commission is being shared. At the end of that, he says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. As Jesus goes to be with the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit, and that's who we get to have bringing us peace 
when life's feeling crazy and we're not sure what direction to turn. We have this shepherd in our life, Jesus, working through the power of the Holy Spirit that can provide us this peace that doesn't even make sense, right? A peace that surpasses all understanding. We get that because of the work of Christ. He's leading us and protecting us and supporting us, even even to the point of death, right? And so here he is leading, feeding, protecting, but he also offers a genuine relationship with us. We, We don't have a God who desires to be distant, but we have a God who wants to know us. In verses 14 and on, we can see that in verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is providing this long-term shepherding relationship. He's not distant. He's saying, I'm going to be with you to the end of this age. And as you're living your life, I'm going to know my own and my own are going to know me. And what relationship does he compare it to but his relationship with the Father? And so in the Trinity, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is clarifying here to this group of religious leaders I'm inviting you into not only healthy leadership, but a relationship with God. And in the same way I get to interact with God the Father, you get to interact with me through the Spirit. And this union is a special thing that we get to be a part of, this genuine relationship with God. Through the plan of the Father and the work of the Son and the presence of the Spirit, we get to have this genuine relationship. And what comes with relationship, but we don't feel alone and isolated when we're in healthy relationships. We feel supported, and so if we get to be supported by God himself, well, that is a good shepherd. And we can see that, oh, we have this need for a shepherd, and that's where hope can be found in him. In verse 16, Jesus promises that there's going to be one flock under one shepherd, And so even though division had taken place within their synagogue in this time and there had been division taking place across the people of God up until that point, even though there's been division since then, we see this unity in Jesus' language. And he's also, at the same time, inviting those who weren't Jewish people into this faith. And for the religious leaders, they're like, no, we've been set apart by God as the people of Israel to be his example. True, yes. And Jesus is saying, And I'm inviting people who aren't of that fold into this relationship with God as well. And this would have been a transformational thing for these leaders to hear because they're like, wait, what? Like, no, like we're set apart. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to go out of this fold and I'm going to find sheep that haven't been in this fold. And they're going to become part of it. And there's going to be one flock. And it's going to be a sweet day when we're all gathered in heaven with one another, right? As one flock, with all these differences among us, we have one shepherd over us. So Jesus is clarifying this as he's showing what sort of genuine relationship God offers us through him. So Jesus is the pearl. The world's full of bad shepherds. Sometimes we have no shepherd at all. We're just trying to lead ourselves. We see how Jesus is this pearl, this good shepherd that can lead and guide us when we're abandoned, when we're broken. When we're wanting a sense of community and abundant life, we can have that in the Good Shepherd. And what are we promised? The third point, the Good Shepherd is the door to God's fold and good pasture. In verse 9, we're going back to it. I think this is the third time it's been read today. But it's got some truth for us to hold. It says, I am the door. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, He will be saved. In less than 15 words, Jesus is breaking down the reality that there's the fold of God, and then there's people who need to be saved and brought into this fold. 
He's making it very clear. There is one way into this fold. This fold, maybe it's 500 by 500. We got this little door. There's only one way into the fold and I am that door. And so let me shepherd you in to this fold. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And so he's clarifying the same sort of thing that he clarifies in John 14 when he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We want to be in the fold of God. We want to be in community with God and with God's people. How do we get there? It's through this door, Jesus, the good shepherd, and he's inviting us to be part of that family. 15 words. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus delivers a promise to experience salvation, even if we've been in bondage our whole life. He's the good shepherd who rescues lost sheep, cares for the sheep that he has, and rescues those who are lost. So even if we've been following the wrong shepherds for years or been living as the shepherd ourselves for years, he has the love, the power, the capacity to lead us into the fold. The second part of verse 9, it says that we're not only going to be saved, but we will also go in and out and find pasture. I think there's a couple different ways we can interpret that phrasing of go in and out and find pasture. And talking with Matt, he's saying, as I read this, go in and out, could that be representing going into the grave with Christ and going out of the grave with Christ and experiencing good pasture, representing eternity with God. Later on in this passage, he's going to talk about how he lays down his life, how he lays it down and then takes it up again. And so Matt's like, as I read that, I really think that's something to be said there. That in Christ, we go into the grave, and in Christ, we go out of the grave, and then get to be in relationship with God, which leads us to the good pasture. And I'm not saying that what his interpretation is, is is wrong. As I'm reading that, we go in and out and find good pasture. I believe we we can go into the fold of God, enjoy his community, and then we go out into the world so that we can help others know, love, and obey Jesus to be part of this fold and to be able to experience the good pasture. Life with God. Life with God now, in part, because we're in a broken world, sometimes there's going to be hiccups, there's going to be tensions, there's going to be frustrations, distance at times that we might feel from the Lord. There's going to be problems, but later on, we're going to experience that unity with God in full, and that will be the best pasture, because we won't have that sin, we won't have that temptation, we won't have those second thoughts that lead us to decisions that we're not proud of. And so in the Lord, he promises that he's the door to God's fold and a good pasture. And so Jesus offers us something that we could never receive apart from him. Jesus offers us something that we could never receive apart from him. Apart from us surrendering to him and committing our lives to be entrusted by him as the door and the good shepherd, we're never going to receive the abundant life and the good pasture. And that's why this passage is just chock full of hope because we get to hear that and read that. Even if we've had bad shepherds in the past, even if we've been wandering, even if we've been following closely to him, we have that hope and reminder that we got this good shepherd that's gonna care for me even if I blew it. And this good shepherd that's going to lead me and protect me and feed me when I'm feeling empty. And that's what we have in Jesus. He's a good shepherd in a world of bad shepherds. Not to say that there's not godly leaders in this world, because there are. But I think many of us have seen enough of just like, yeah, man. My boss isn't helpful as a reminder to what it looks like to surrender to authority or God. And so I think in this passage, we can all be reminded and encouraged of like, oh, there's so much abundant life that we can have in God as our guide, through Jesus as the shepherd. Up on the screen, Brock's going to throw an interesting graphic that I 
made, it's, you know, it's hard to not make a cheesy graphic. Um, <laughs> so we got some sheep here, right? And that's the fold that I've been talking about a little bit. It's not a perfect square, but you can see the shepherd, he's working as the door and he's also the shepherd. And so this morning, I want you to think about when I look at that picture, where, where am I at? Am I the sheep beyond the fold, wandering in the world, trying to figure out who am I, what's life, who's God, is there a God, what's my purpose here? I'm trying to find satisfaction in all these things, but life still seems empty and abundant? No way. Are you running through that course of life? And and maybe you're in that place because you've never walked around a community before that, that people were leading you towards the Lord's. Or maybe you're in that place because it's like, yeah, I, I tried to be in the household of God and I, I tried to be in this relationship with him, pray to prayer, try to be a good person, but it just didn't work. And so now I've just been wandering in the rest of the world. And if I gotta be honest, I'm about 500 miles to the right of that shepherd figure that's on the screen. And if that's you this morning, that's where I think we can have hope in Jesus as the good shepherd, that, that even if we've been running there and we see that it's not satisfying, we, we're always welcome to return to him. Why? Because he's a, a good shepherd that's gonna offer grace, compassion, love, understanding. For others of you, as you look at that, you're thinking, oh man, I really feel like that sheep that's right next to him, you know, real close to Christ and real close to the world so that I can be a light for him. But maybe on your interior, deep within, if you're honest with yourself or honest with people around you, you're, you're saying, actually, I'm, I'm that sheep that's as far from Christ as possible, but still in the fold. Right? I'm there sometimes where I have a relationship with God, but sometimes I'm dodging time with God because I want to do what I want. And so I think a lot of times what happens is in the church, we experience uh, you know, a relationship with Christ. We confess our sins before him. We make him Lord of our life. Maybe we run hard as that sheep right next to him for a while, but then we live life, live life, live life. And then suddenly we become that sheep. And then we're like, ah, I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna be present, but I'm gonna dip out right when I can so they don't have to interact with anybody so that they don't find out that I'm the sheep on the far side of the fold. Or other sheep, and I think COVID uh, created some of this, But other sheep are just like, yeah, I stopped going for a while. And because of that, I just really got used to being as far away from the shepherd as I could be without feeling guilty about it. And so me and the Lord aren't close, but I believe he's the Lord. So I think I'm okay. And we can do that. I believe that God can still work with us if we've lived like that. But I think we're missing out on the good pasture, the abundant life. The further away we get from the shepherd, the more we're going to wander. And it might feel really comfortable to be there. And if that's you this morning, that's, again, I think this passage is saying, like, hey, come on back. Like, like work your way a little bit closer to the Lord. What do I mean by that? Work your way closer to the Lord. It's not just doing a whole bunch of stuff. It's building that relationship with him, getting time in the word being around other sheep that you know are healthily next to the Lord. Asking questions, reflecting, where am I at in life? Looking at your relationships, how are my relationships? Are they good, are they healthy? Are the people around me feeling encouraged? Or do I have a a real cynical spirit that's probably bleeding out of me and it leads a lot of people to discouragement? How am I living around other people? And so if that's you this morning and you got that on your radar of like, oh yeah, I'm not close to the shepherd, we can get closer to him through honest surrender. Time in the word, time around his people, time looking in. A lot of times we work in life, you know, out here as we're doing our jobs, doing our things, but a lot of times we don't slow down to look inwards and work on it. And as we do that, we get to be closer to the Lord because we bring him in on that. Or maybe we get to be closer to other Christian community because we bring them in on that. And so if you're there this morning, it doesn't mean that you can't do the work to prioritize Christ. And if you're here this morning and and you're like, man, I want to say this humbly, but I feel like I'm one of those sheep that's pretty close to Christ. 
And I'm trying to run out the Great Commission, trying to love God with everything, the Great Commandment. That's where I'm at, and I love it, and it's full of joy. And if that's you, praise be to God and keep running that way. Because that's where the most joy we're ever going to find is. Because that's, that's the answer. That's the promise that we have is, is that's the good pasture when we're walking near to the good shepherd. So the good shepherd gives us two hopes to hold on to. The first, even if we've been lost, wandering, or astray, the good shepherd offers forgiveness and rescue from the wilderness. And number two, even if we've been hurt by a bad shepherd... The good shepherd, Jesus, brings healing and gives us an example of what to look for in earthly shepherds around us so that we don't have to walk alone. This morning, maybe you're lost and wandering. Jesus is saying, come back to the fold. And maybe you're in a place where you're in the fold, but it's just, hey, I need to seek out the good shepherd more than what I do. So I'm going to pray for us, and Lord willing, again, this passage is going to keep pumping life into our heart so that we can have that abundant life with God. Lord, we just thank you for this time with one another that we can slow down a little bit and and take some truths away from this living word that you've given us, God. And I just pray that uh, when we look at you, when we look at your word, we wouldn't see a threat or a bad shepherd or an angry God but that we'd see and understand your love and your justice and the path that you have for us in life, God. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to self-assess this morning or maybe even bring others in around us to help assess where we're at in life, God, so that we might be able to make some adjustments and with humility grow towards the shepherd and not away from him. In Jesus' name, amen.